Hey friends, it's Weston, and I wanted to take just a second to thank you for listening to the Bowling Green Christian Church Sermon Podcast. If someone recommended this message to you, I hope that it encourages you. If you're here getting caught up on a week you missed, I hope that it challenges you. And if you're a visitor checking us out, I hope that it helps you connect with Jesus in this church. Whoever you are, whenever you're ready to take your next step closer to Jesus or to connect with a BGCC family, know that we're here for you. You can learn more about how to connect with us by downloading our app when you text BGCC app to 77977. There in the app, you can submit prayer requests, find out about upcoming events, and even give to help support our ministry, including this podcast. It's my prayer that God uses this message to encourage and equip you to take your next best step in life, which is always one step closer to Jesus. What's well, good to see y'all here, and I know several of you are joining us online, and we have some of you are uh, trying out our church online platform. That's something we're experimenting with um, for the coming uh, months. Let me get my microphone clipped on here, otherwise it'll pull off. It has a habit of doing that. Uh, so wherever you're at, however you're joining us, we're glad that you're here with us this morning. A uh, little trivia question for you. What is the significance of January 17th? Anybody have uh, any guesses? Don't just maybe think about it because I can't really see your mouth, can't read your lips here today. Um, here, here you go. I'll tell you what it is. January 17th is the day that, according to research, most people give up on their New Year's resolutions. That's the day most people give up on them. So you get a little over two weeks in, and then they just decide, that's it. Thanks for playing. Now, I don't know who came up with all this, but several groups got together and said, that's the day. Why don't you raise your hand if that feels right to you, if that feels about right. Okay, how many of you say, well, I, I don't even make it to the 17th? Do you have any, any real honest people? How many of you go, no, I've, I've made it. I'm going all the way through. Yeah, that's good for you. Good for you. You know, I, I don't know what it is. There's been a lot of research as to why we don't live up to our New Year's resolutions, why we don't follow them through. Um, could be that, you know, we didn't set a specific enough goal. And, you know, things, it was just kind of too fuzzy. And, you know, what did that really mean? You know, be healthy. Um, so, you know, what is that, you know, like? So you have that confusion. Um, you know, sometimes it's, it's that we just didn't really have maybe the right motivation or we didn't have a good strategy. You know, we wanted to do this, but we didn't know how we were going to do this. I think really at the end of the day, we just have to own the fact that change is hard. Making change is difficult in our lives. Whatever the arena is, it is a challenge and it is really, really hard. Now, we've been talking through this series of Reboot of how we can be making some changes in our life. We started looking at um, th this idea that if we were going to move forward, we had to leave the past in the past. That was sort of step one. Step two was, you know, we had to go ahead and have a clear picture of where we go. We had, had these spiritual visionaries, this idea that we could see what God was going to do in our lives and believe that it was possible. Now today, I, I want to talk about this idea of just dealing with the challenge, because we're all going to face challenges when we try to make some change in our lives. Even when you do it with God, it is a difficult prospect. Uh, the book of Hebrews has a lot of ancient wisdom that the church has kept for these you know, 2,000 years and said this is a really valuable piece uh, of spiritual truth for us to hang on to. And, and the author of Hebrews is writing to a group of people 
who were facing challenges, sort of like we were this morning. They were facing struggles, and they were going, I don't know how we're going to keep going. I don't know how we're going to make it through. And, and here's what the, the author says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. In theory, it's going to be on the screen, but it probably won't be. Oh, oh there it is. Oh, there's part of it. We'll take, we'll take what we can get. It says, therefore, since we well, are here for on your screen, therefore, it couldn't be perfect. That would just, it's like we planned it this way. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders uh, and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Here's, I think, just the big take-home for us is that we've got to keep trying even when we fail. We've got to just keep trying. You know, only Jesus is perfect. Let me just help you out with that little bit of truth. Only Jesus is perfect. You're not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. You're going to fail. You will make mistakes. You won't live up to your own expectations, but that shouldn't stop you from trying, to, to keep trying. There's four things in this passage that I think are really critical for us as Christ followers, or, or just really anybody trying to make some change in life. The first one is this, is that you've got to remember you're not alone. I think that's the thing I love about this passage is it's coming right out of Hebrews 11, like we looked at last week, where it's listed all of these amazing people, uh, heroes of the faith that we look up to and we go, man, th those people, they, they, they knew how to live right with God. These are people that, that were faithful. These are people that sort of had their act together. And the author of Hebrews is saying, you're surrounded by them. You're not alone. Your struggles, you're not alone in those. All of those people in that chapter, if you look at their lives, they had struggles too. You know, you're not unique in that. You're not the first person to fall in the trap that you are falling into. You're not the first person, you know, who's not lived up to their own expectations. Rather, you're, you're one in a long line of people that haven't lived up to their own expectations. But here's the good news. You're also not alone and that you get up and you try again. You're not alone in, in, in starting over, in, in beginning new. That's one of the beautiful messages of Scripture is that you know, there is this chance, this capacity, this ability for us to start over. That's the story that we see time and time again in Scripture. It's people that you know, they start out, they fail, and then with God they begin again. And it's an amazing gift. We've got to keep people around us that encourage us to keep going. You know, this is why you get a running partner, because nobody really wants to get up at 4 a.m. and go running. you got to have somebody that's going to be there suffering with you, encouraging you to go on. You know, you go to the gym, you've got a spotter to make sure that as you push yourself, somebody's there to, to look out for you. Spiritually, we need the same thing. You know, when we embark on some change in our life spiritually, th there's going to be challenges. You're going to need somebody to encourage you, to help you, to help lift the burden that you've got. We've got to remember we're not alone. And we've got to be strategic in keeping people around us. Now, that's in this life. You know, the author of Hebrews reminds us there are, there are people, sort of what we might say, on the other side of the veil. You know, the veil between this life and the next is not that thick. 
You get this picture in Hebrews 11 that all of those those saints that we would call them, the, the people who were heroes of our faith, they are watching us right now. And they're cheering us on. And they're going, you can do this. You can keep going. You know, you might have some own personal heroes of your faith. Maybe it was a, a pastor when you're growing up or a Sunday school teacher or maybe a parent or a grandparent. I, I don't know. But you get the picture that they're up there too in that cloud of witnesses. And they're cheering you on. And, and the good news is that while we might have to ask each other in this life to pray for each other because we don't always know what's going on unless we tell them, you sort of get this idea that the, that cloud of witnesses in heaven, that they are watching and that they are cheering you on. And so while we might have to ask each other to pray, we don't have to ask them. They know to pray. And they're sitting there right next to Christ. And they're cheering us on and they're interceding on our behalf. So if you're trying to make some change in your life, remember, you're not alone. And that maybe could give you a little bit of courage to throw off the old, to get rid of the stuff that that keeps trapping you, that keeps tripping you, that keeps entangling you. You know, whenever you fail, and and you'll fail again, I promise. I know that's hard news for some of you to hear, but you, you will. You'll fail again. You'll make another mistake. And when you do, you need to just ask yourself, well, why did that happen? And maybe not, why did that happen? But how do I prevent that from happening in the future? And where can I go from here? That's one of the best things we can ask ourselves is to sort of just have this learning experience and ask, how can I prevent this from happening? All of our failure should be a learning experience. Uh, Allow it to teach you something maybe about yourself. You know, I remember I was talking with a, a college student several years ago, and this guy, he was struggling with pornography. He was kind of, you know, trying to figure out what, you know, what could we do and how could, you know, he could overcome that. And so we started talking about what were the things that, that set him up for failure in his life. And, and we identified some really concrete steps for him to take so that way he could overcome this. It was real simple kinds of things. Like, you know, he's just going to make sure that, that when he's, you know, in the evening, he was going to leave his computer with somebody else until he needed it for class the next day. Real practical kind of step. But he said, you know, that's the kind of thing I need. You know, often we overcomplicate our challenges in life and working together. We can just say, you know what, if that's trapping me up, if that's holding me back, I, I can get rid of it. Scripture's pretty clear. It's, you know, it, it'd be better to get rid of that than allow it to keep tripping you up for the rest of your life you got to get somebody with you to encourage you to, to keep you accountable. And then once you do, you got to throw off that old stuff. you got to replace it with something else. Say, man, we're, gonna be just, we're just going to be done with this. We're going to move forward. Third thing we need to do is this, is you just need to keep trying, to, to try again. You know, it, you're not, maybe you're not going to succeed this time, but it's worth giving it another shot. I, I love the word here. It says perseverance, you know, that you're going to persevere to the end. That word can also be translated endurance, you know, the ability to endure what you're going through, to, to endure setbacks and difficulties and challenges. It's not just that you're going to persevere, you're going to push through, but you're going to endure it. You're going to just go ahead and hold on to it. You're going to embrace that challenge, that struggle, and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to keep moving forward. That's the idea here of endurance. You know, everybody can keep going when it's easy, but it it takes a special amount of courage and strength to to get up and try one more time. You know, you might be here and you might have failed for a hundred times. Maybe it feels like a thousand times. But you know what? It only takes one time for you to succeed. You know, it's, it's amazing. Success in some ways, you know, it doesn't teach us much because we have sort of in our, our mind that, you know, you don't argue with success. If it's not broke, don't fix it, right? You know, that's kind of where we are, or at least that's how I am. 
But when we fail, it sort of gives us a chance to, to pull everything apart and ask, you know, why did this go wrong? What are some of the things that contribute to this? And then try again. Try one more time. Keep trying. You only need once to succeed. And last year, the author of Hebrews makes it really clear that if, if we're going to try to move forward in our spiritual lives, we've got to keep our focus on Jesus. We've got to keep our focus on Jesus. You know, I, I think a lot of times, if, if you're wired anything like me, you know, you focus on the bad stuff. You focus on, oh man, I did that. Oh man, I messed up here. Oh man, this wasn't what I wanted it to be. This wasn't my expectation. And we, we shift our gaze from what is good to what is bad. And I think that it's pretty clear that when you do that, you know, you, you, you get into trouble. You know, when you're driving, you look ahead, you look where you want to go. You don't, you don't drive just by looking in your rearview mirror. You're looking forward, you're looking ahead. That's what we've got to do. We've got to keep our eyes, our focus on Jesus Christ. And it's just the act here of trying again that makes success possible. And as we embrace these challenges, I think it's important we remember this, that challenges make us stronger for what's ahead. Uh, Hebrews 12, 7 says this, Endure trials for the sake of discipline. God is, not or God is treating you as children. For what child is there whom a parent does not discipline? Uh, scripture makes it clear that when we embrace these challenges in our faith, that really, you know, in some ways, it's, it's a training exercise. It allows us to build our spiritual strength and our spiritual muscles. You know, I want to say this, not everything bad that happens to you in life is God's fault. I've met a lot of people that, you know, whenever anything bad happens, they go, well, why is God doing this to me? And my first response is, you don't know that God's doing this to you. You know, the scripture, I think, gives us three reasons why bad things happen to people. One is it's our own sin. I mean, if, if you choose to drink and drive and you wrap your car around the telephone pole, you can't really say, well, why, God, why did God do that to me? You, you did that to yourself, you know? You did that to yourself. Now, if somebody else chooses to do that and they wrap their car around you, you know, again, God didn't do that. That was their choice. It was sin in their life. You know, my sin affects me. Your sin affects me. Scripture also has this idea that there's sin in the world. Uh, you know, where does, you know, tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes, where does all this come from? It's that sin has affected the, the very nature of, of nature. It has affected all of the created world. I mean, cancer, all these sicknesses and diseases, where does this all come from? It's sin that's corrupted and infected the world we live in. Sin is out there. And so not everything that, that happens is God disciplining you for something in your life. Sometimes just sin gets to us. But there are times when God does discipline us. But when God disciplines us, it's for our own benefit. It's a blessing. It's not a curse. I, I think the problem for us is we've, we've sort of taken discipline and we've made it a synonym of punishment. You know, we've said, you know, discipline is punishment. Punishment is discipline. But the root of the word discipline is disciple. It means to teach. It means to train. It means to, to help somebody find that path that they want to live in life. That's what discipline is. God is discipling us. He is training us. He's teaching us on how to be the people he has created us to be. Now, I like how the author says this. He says, you know, embrace, endure trials for the sake of discipline. In other words, maybe the trial you're facing isn't God's discipline, but if you endure it, if you face that challenge, if you overcome it, then you are learning how to discipline yourself. And in fact, God is using that to shape your life. 
So just the act of embracing the challenges we face and say, we are going to overcome this. We're going to face it. We're going to stare this head down. And we're going to make sure that God uses this to refine me in some way. That is a good thing. It's the challenge that makes us stronger. It gets us ready for the future. These challenges, they're going to train us to do a few things in specific. And I want to give you four more things here this morning. I know I've got to give you a few lists here this morning. If you're in the app, you're following along, you can fill in the blanks in there. But I want to share with you these four things. The first is this, is our challenges us train, train us to live with, in peace with righteousness. English is hard this morning. Our challenges train us to live in peace with righteousness. I don't know about you, but I'll just be real honest. Um, I have said things before that caused conflict in my relationships. Have any of you ever said something that caused conflict in your relationships? Some of you have. Some of you must be mute. Have you ever signed anything that has caused conflict in your relationship? Okay, that should, that should really cover the rest of us. Perfect. Excellent. Very good. All right. Some of you use another kind of sign language. Maybe that's caused conflict in your relationships. Yeah, it, it happens. I understand. Hey, why is it that our speech causes conflict? Why is it that that happens? It's because we've got this pride. We're, you know, we're thoughtless. We're thinking about ourselves. We're not thinking about other people. And if you're like me, you cause conflict in your relationship. You say something you regret later. You know, you, you go, man, I really didn't mean that. I was just angry. What does that do? You got to humble yourself. It's kind of humiliating if you, you know, you really blew up and you're like, gosh, I really, I've got to apologize to you and to you and to you. And I'm sorry about all that. I mean, we've, we've lived in those moments and they are kind of humiliating. But it's those moments that breed humility in us. It, it grows humility in our lives. And, and we stop being a little so prideful because, well, we realize that we need grace and we need forgiveness. You know, that's discipline. Hebrews 12, 11 says, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. One of the ways that we sometimes live in conflict with each other is we take advantage of each other. We exploit each other. And, and the author of Hebrews is going to go on a little bit later in this passage to talk about some different ways we take advantage of each other. We exploit each other, uh, sometimes in, in intimate ways. And they says, you know, let's stop doing that. Let's stop using each other. Let's start treating each other with love and respect and with righteousness. When we do that, we get along better. Don't we all get along better when we sort of treat each other with respect and follow the rules? Absolutely. The author of Hebrews is saying, listen, if you will allow that training and righteousness to, to, to affect your life, you'll live at peace with people better. The second thing that will happen is you will grow spiritually strong. We've talked about that a bit. I don't want to get back into that here, but it, uh, Hebrews 12, 12 through 13 says this, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. You get this picture that, you know, there's that app out there I know that says, you know, couch to 5K, couch to 10K, where the idea is that if you've just been sitting on your couch, you know, for the last year, you could get this app, follow its plan, and all of a sudden, you know, you'd be ready to, to run a 10K in a series of weeks and months. You know, but it takes time. You can't run that if all you've been doing is sitting on the couch watching, you know, binge-watching episodes on Netflix and eating potato chips and all the walking you've got is to your fridge and back to your couch. It's not, that's not the training you need. You know, the more we embrace, 
you know, challenges in our spiritual life, the more we decide we're going to take on some of these things, it builds up our spiritual strength. You know, the, the, you, it's, it's interesting to me. People go, you know, I want to be a better person of prayer. I want to be in my Bible more. I want to, you know, I want to be committed. I want to have, you know, you know a, a good faith life. And he asked, you know, a question, well, you know, how long have you been reading your Bible? Well, you know, I started once, but I didn't stick with it. You know, I tried praying, but I, I didn't follow through. You know, we all want the product. We don't want the process. We want the results. We don't want to put in the work. Listen, I'm convinced, really, that most of us have as much of God as we really want in life. And it's not until we decide, man, I'm going to really say, God, I'm going to meet you in prayer. God, I'm going to spend some time in your word that we actually start to, to build up strength. If you're like everybody else in the world, you don't have any trouble praying when things are difficult. It's just sort of natural inside of us. The world comes apart and we start to pray. But what builds spiritual strength is training before the crisis. You know, you spend time in God's Word before the crisis, and when you face it, it's not that big of a deal because you have been strengthening your soul through prayer and time with God. When we decide that we're going to train ourselves then we will grow spiritually strong. And that will make us more fit for the challenges that we have in life. A third thing that this will do is it will root out bitterness in our lives. Hebrews 12.15 says this, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Let me tell you how I've learned to give grace in my life. I've learned to give grace by receiving grace. I have learned to be forgiving because I have had to be forgiven. It's in the act of receiving grace that I've learned to share it with other people. I, I mean, it's, it's true. It's, it's kind of sad, you know, that we have to have those experiences like we talked about where we go through these humiliating things and, and somebody extends forgiveness and grace to us. That's where we start to embrace it and we go, man, I guess if I need grace, I need to realize that other people need it as well. You know, I'm a little suspect of older Christians, people that have grown up in the church for decades. And I know several of these people, and yet they have zero grace in their life. You know, they grew up in church, and they would claim Jesus as their Savior and Lord, but they have zero grace for anybody. They can't forgive people. They can't, you know, bear with people. They've got zero patience for people. And I'll tell you what that makes me wonder. It makes me wonder if they've ever accepted God's grace for themselves. Because if you can go through life where you're holding everybody up to a standard of perfection, and if they don't live up to your standard, then you're always right on top of them, then I'll tell you what, it's probably that you've fooled yourself into thinking you've lived up to that standard. Or you've probably you know, tricked yourself into thinking that somehow you're going to even the, you know, the debt that you have with God through your own righteous living. You know, I'm convinced that so many Christ followers, they just put themselves in a place of agony and, and frustration because instead of just accepting the free grace of Jesus Christ, they're saying, all right, God, I appreciate the grace, but I'm going to make it up to you later. And they think, man, I'm going to settle the score. I'm going to try to pay this off. Here's the truth. God came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And as soon as you accept that, and receive that, and embrace that, that will make you a more gracious person. When you realize that you can't live up to your own expectations, when you realize that you can't live up to God's expectations, when you realize that you are a failure, but God loves you just the same, that's when you will start to be able to forgive 
other people. It's these challenges that, that knock off those hard edges. When we fall and fail, we realize, man, that's why I need God's grace. It makes up for all that I'm lacking in life. It's grace that helps us to, to root out that bitterness, to get rid of it, and to move forward with other people in grace. I was having lunch just the other day with an, an older pastor friend of mine, and he was telling me, he said, you know, the older I get, he said, the more I appreciate Jesus he said, because I look back on my life and I realize how stupid I truly was. And I realize that Jesus has been there for me this whole time. I, I've not lived as much as he has, but I can, I can agree with the sentiment that the longer I'm alive and the more I walk in the grace of Jesus, the more I'm appreciative of it because I know how badly I need it. And let me tell you, when you start to live in that place of gratitude, you will discover joy and you will discover the ability to extend grace and forgiveness. All right, last thing here is this, is to focus on the big picture. If we're going to not go back, if we're going to move forward, if we're going to embrace this challenge and allow the challenges to make us stronger for what lies ahead, then we've got to focus on the big picture. Hebrews 12, 8 says this, Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. You see, the author of Hebrews is, is bringing it together real clear, saying, listen, all of this is, is moving to this kingdom that we are receiving that is unshakable. You, your life, you know, the, the way you act now, I mean, that's all shakable. You know, we're all, you know, we're, none of us are super reliable in the grand scheme of things. And the author of Hebrews is saying that's okay because we're getting ready to receive God's unshakable kingdom that can't be taken away from us, that can't be destroyed because God built it, not us. And, and when we focus on that picture, we realize that this world that we live in is not our home. I'll tell you, it changes your priorities. It changes the way you think about things and people. You know, you start to look at the challenges you face and those frustrations that are so big, and you ask yourself, is this going to matter, you know, in a week? Is it going to matter in a month? Is it going to matter in a year, 10 years, 100 years? What about the scope of eternity? All of a sudden, you start to realize all those really big things that so often frustrate us and entangle us, they just they start to disappear because we realize that in the scope of eternity, God's really got things handled. God's got it taken care of. And it allows us to look at a challenge and go, you know what, this is going to be difficult. And it's going to be difficult maybe for a season of life. And it might be hard even for a few years, but in the scheme of eternity, it's really not that big of a deal. And it allows us to embrace those challenges and say, God, what is it that you're teaching me right now? I, I want us, as we sort of wrap up this time, I want to give you something to think about. Just, I, I would really ask that you would be wondering, what, you know, what is the thing that I'm struggling with now? Where's the place that I'm struggling to finish strong? Maybe you need some perspective right now in your life. You know, one of the, the best pieces of advice I've gotten sort of spiritually was this, is anytime you feel that place of frustration or anger, you know, sort of welling up inside of you, ask yourself, what is that teaching me about myself? What is that showing about my own desires, about my own priorities, about the things that are important to me? And allow that to sort of be a place where you can invite God to come in and say, God, would you teach me something here? Would you help me to have your perspective on this? God, would you use this moment to strengthen me. If you look back on your life, you can see that those defining moments that really defined who you were were most likely the places that were the hardest and the most challenging. And it could be that in this moment you're in right now, God's doing the same thing. But it takes a measure of grace to be able to accept that. 
So we're going to just hold up in a little bit of space here before we sing this next song. Lanny's going to just play a little bit of music, and then in a second we'll get started in the song. But let's just have a, a quiet moment right now where you can talk to God about that. And you can say, God, would you just meet me in this place? And Lord, would you help me to see the challenges I'm facing right now in light of eternity? And God, would you use those challenges that I'm facing right now to make me stronger for what lies ahead? Mm-hmm. 